We are in January. Thanksgiving has come and gone. Christmas has come and gone. The holiday break has come and gone. The kids start back to school this week. Uh, All of the bowl games have been played. There's only one more of them to go. And it is a new year, 2019. It is a new year. Ready or not, we have launched into a new year, 2019. Here is the question this morning. What will you do with it? It is a new year. What will you do with it? Will it be any different than the previous year? How will it be any different than the previous year? It is a new year, 2019. And the question is this, what will you do with it? Let me be honest this morning. I am getting older. I am 47 years old. I'll be 48 years old in March. Uh, can you imagine I was just 26 years old, and now all of a sudden like that, I'm 48 years old. Uh, I was just thinking about this. I've, I've got a daughter that is a junior in high school. I was just a junior in high school. I've got a picture of it. <laughs> On the back of that picture, it has a date that says last year. That was just last year. Uh, Friday, one of my school buddies, one of my great friends uh, came out of the house, and, and I hadn't seen him in about two years And he walked up the driveway, and this is what he said. Dude, what happened to your hair? (laughs) It all turned gray. Uh, Friends, time is rolling on. Remember, and I was thinking about this, remember when old people said that time just gets faster and faster? And I can remember being a young person and maybe a kid and someone would say, oh, time just gets faster and faster. And time is is flying by. And I would think, man, Christmas takes forever to get here. Summer goes on forever. What are they talking about? They weren't lying. Time is rolling on. I see it. I feel it. And evidently, I look like it. Time is flying by. But church, I want to tell you this morning, This January morning, I am not content to just live anymore. I'm not content to just breathe and to draw another breath. I'm not content to pass through this year a lot like the previous year and hope that somehow I might have another year. Hear me today. I want my life to matter for the glory and for the credit and to the praise of the God who created me. I want my life to matter to the glory and to the credit and to the praise of my Savior Jesus who died on the cross to save me. Dear Lord, let my life matter. Who's with me? Here's the good news. And I I can't wait to tell you this good news. Here's the good news. The good news is this. However old you are, if you're a, a young person here, you're in high school, if you're older, listen to me. However old you are today, however old you are Whatever station in life you find yourself today, wherever you find yourself, whatever your health is, whatever your wealth is, whatever your issues are, no matter what it is that you've gone through, you have the potential to bring God more glory in the coming days than you have in any previous days. I want you to hear that again. I want you to be very sure of that. Listen, however old you are, 
Wherever you find yourself today, whatever the hard issues that you're in today, whatever things that you've walked through today, you have the potential to bring more God more glory in the coming days than in any of your previous days. And what that means is this. The best is still ahead. Do you understand that? It is a new year and the best is still ahead. Today we're going to look at an ancient prayer of Moses that reflects this same truth, really that reflects this same heart. The message today is entitled, Living a Life That Matters. Living a Life That Matters. Now, we're going to be in Psalm 90 today. I want to encourage you to go back and read the entire psalm. It's a very awesome psalm. But I'm going to bring out three verses today. Verse 10, verse 12, and verse 17. So today's Psalm 90, verse 10, verse 12, and verse 17. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and, the, and really the celebration of the reading of God's word. Psalm 90, beginning here in the 10th verse, God's word says this. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. Verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that we have a risen Savior. I'm thankful that we have a risen Lamb, a Lamb who carried our sin, that, that bore our sin as the perfect Lamb of God on the cross of Calvary, but didn't stay there is risen today, is reigning today. I'm thankful that one day that we will be in the presence of that lamb, finally and fully, and there will be no need of a lamb. Lord, I look forward to that day. I pray in the meantime that we will be wise and we would live for your glory, that we would consider your words, that you would lead us, that you would instruct us. I pray, Lord, for us as we stand here on the, on the start of a new year, that you would forgive us of the sins of the past year, that we would have hearts of repentance, that we would turn and we would be disgusted with those sins. We would leave them. But I pray that we would walk according to your will, that we would live in obedience according to your will and that you would be greatly glorified in our life. Lord, I, I pray for many of us here today who've come through all sorts of stuff that you would be the king of our lives in 2019, that you would receive great glory in 2019 and that we would live a life that truly matters. Lord, speak to us today. I pray for some in this service that may not know you. I pray that in the hearing of the gospel, the preaching of your word, today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we lay this at your feet as an act of worship, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we're gonna to look at this prayer of Moses and really these pieces of this prayer. Now, understand, as we look at this prayer here in Psalm 90, as we pull out these three pieces of the prayer, 
context is going to be very important. The context of the original prayer is going to be very meaningful for us. And so we're going to have to go and set the context for us to truly understand the prayer. Now understand this. Psalm 90, next to the book of Job, are some of the oldest written words in our Bible. Psalm 90 is written by Moses when he is in the wilderness between Egypt and the promised land, the land of Canaan. And so understand that. Here is Moses. He writes this psalm, this prayer, in between the the deliverance there out of Egypt and his entrance into, or their entrance, into the promised land. So see see the context here. God's people are enslaved. 400 years there in Egypt, they're enslaved. Generation after generation, they have known no hope. They have no hope unless God acts. Well, the Bible tells us they call out to God. Well, God hears their prayers. God is an active God, and he delivers his people from slavery in Egypt. Now, if you remember the account, it is a powerful thing. It is a marvelous thing. There's the plagues. Now, there's the event at the Red Sea. And so understand, when they had no hope, he acts as their salvation. He acts as their deliverance. God acts, and he sets his people free. Now, remember from there, they traveled through the wilderness, and they get to the promised land. But remember the account here. Remember the, the strange thing that happens. Instead of going in, Now, I I sometimes wonder about that. The Red Sea stood up, and they walked through on dry ground. They see this marvelous, mighty army of Pharaoh as it's collapsed upon. They've seen God's power. They've seen his might. They get to the promised land, but instead of going in, they send in spies. Remember the account? We'll send in spies, and we'll, we'll survey the land. Well, 10 of them come back. There's 12 of them that go in. 10 of them come back. And they have a negative report. Now they say, you know what? It's awesome. It's beyond what we can imagine. It's, a, it's an awesome place. But they say, you know what? It is too hard. There's giants that live in the land. It is too difficult. And so their negative report is that we should not inhabit the land. Now remember, there's two that bring a positive report, Joshua and Caleb. And they say, you know what? Um, that what they say is true, but you know what? God has been faithful, and their focus is upon God. God has been faithful, and, and God will deliver. And just as he's delivered in the past, he will deliver in the future. And so they're going to trust God. Well, the people side with the 10 with the negative report. The Bible tells us that God in his anger and his judgment send them back to the wilderness to wander for 40 years. And it is in that time that Moses pins this prayer. And so I want you to see the context here. Imagine the the context, if you will. The days are hard. The, the, The time was moving on very slowly. Day after day after day, the movement seemed meaningless and God would direct him, it's time to to move here and it's time to move there. But you know what? We've got all these years and so even the movement seemed meaningless. And into that, Moses prays this prayer. Now, what does that mean to us? How does that correlate to us? And I I believe that it does. See this. 
They were in between the time of their miraculous, powerful salvation from slavery. And they were in between the time of that and their safe delivery into the promised land. And so they were between those two events. They're in between the time of their, of their tremendous salvation from Egypt, but in between the time that they have entered safely into the promised land. Today, God has sent his son Jesus, and he has defeated death. He has paid the price for our redemption. Listen, he is the Lord. He is the king. He is the risen victor from the hill of Calvary. It is finished in Jesus Christ. It is firmly established in Jesus Christ. He reigns as king. Our salvation has come. But we're not home yet. Friends, let me tell you, and I'm not ashamed to tell you this. I'm ready to be home. I'm ready to be home. The greatest thing, the greatest thing is to have traveled through the wilderness of this life and to have finished the race that we have set before us. And I can't imagine the greatest thing would be to step across that Jordan River and to come there into the fullness of God's promised home for his people and to go home. The greatest thing, the most marvelous thing is to to go where Jesus is. The greatest thing is that any of us would go home. I think about that and I imagine that. The song that Charity just sang, all these songs that we we come across and and my heart was just singing yesterday. And Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight and the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and Christ shall descend. Even so, even so, it is well with my soul. Friends, I'm ready to go home. I can't imagine how awesome it's gonna be to be in the presence of Christ, to be rid of sin. I'm ready to go home. But we're not home yet. And so let us live to bring him glory until we are. Let me walk you through this. Here is now his prayer. Do you understand the context? The promised land awaits. On Jordan's stormy bank, I stand and cast a wishful eye. The promised land awaits his great salvation. They can remember it, but there they wander. There they are in tough days. They're not home yet. And in that context, here is the prayer. It starts with this very stark truth. Verse 10, listen. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Here's what Moses says, a very stark truth. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years. Or perhaps if we are strong enough, if we're healthy enough, Maybe they might even contain 80 years. And that's what he says. These are the days of our life, 70 years. Maybe if you're, if you're strong enough, 80 years. Yet their pride. Now that word pride translates the high part or the best part. The pride of those years. The, the best part, the high part of those years. You live 70 or 80 years. The best part of those years is but labor and sorrow. 
That's what Moses says. The best part of those years is labor and it's sorrow. It's grief. Here's what the Bible's telling us. Listen, if you haven't figured it out, you're gonna figure it out. Life is hard. Life is hard. Well, if my health will get better, life is hard. Well, if I had enough money, life is hard. Listen, life is hard. The high parts are labor and sorrow. Then it continues on. It says, for soon, which translates quickly, for soon, quickly, it is gone and we fly away. These people had gone back to, to wander in the wilderness. Those over the age of 20 would die before the, anyone would go into the, to the promised land. And so understand this. That was the judgment of God. Those that were over the age of 20, they would pass away. They would die before God's people would move into the promised land. They lived under the cloud of death. And I want you to think about how that must weigh on Moses as they turn and they go back into the wilderness, as they turn and, and time starts to pass, as they turn and start to realize the grave mistake that they had made, they see another death and another death and they move on and they leave those graves and they go somewhere else and there's another death and another death and another death and they move on and they leave those graves. And they operate under this cloud of death. And, and oh, my brother passed away. And oh, my parents have passed away. And oh, my, my great friends have passed away. And we move. And we got 20 more years and 10 more years. And, and we're leaving a trail of graves behind us. They live every day under the cloud of death. See this. Understand this. We try to hide it. Ever since that first sin there in the garden, we live under the cloud of death. We try to dress it up. We try to ignore it. Listen, ever since that first sin and, and through that first sin, death enters in. Ever since that first sin, we live under the cloud of death. And every celebrated birth has with it the certainty of death. And every first baby's cry that cries out, oh, that, that precious cry is matched with the cries that will someday be at the side of a grave. We live under the cloud of death. And every generation after generation, it's the same. Grave after grave after grave. See, we're not so different. As we travel on, as our paths go somewhere else, we leave a, a marker, we leave a grave. We move somewhere else and there's another generation and they raise up and they have kids and they, they move somewhere else. We leave a, a set of markers, a set of graves. And we also live under the cloud of death. The verse says this. For soon it is gone and we fly away. See the image here. You ever sit down somewhere, maybe you're not rushed on that day, that particular day, and you, you sit down somewhere, maybe you're on your porch or your back porch, and you sit on the afternoon that's sunny. And you watch the birds in a tree. And a bird comes and it lands on a branch and it chirps and they, they seem to bounce around on the branches and they, they sit there and they bounce around and maybe they flutter over to a different branch and they, they chirp and they, they sing these songs and maybe they're, maybe they're tending to their nest and they bring things to their nest and they, they stand there and they make this beautiful song, this, this marvelous song. Can you imagine that comes out of these birds and then in an instant, they take flight and they're gone. The branch is empty. Here's the point. 
Life is fast. Life is fleeting. That's what, that's what Moses is realizing here. That's, that's what they see in this trail of graves. That's what we understand today as well. Life is fast and life is fleeting. And just like the bird, it's here and it hops around and it makes a beautiful noise and then boom, it flirts away and it's gone and the branch is empty. Yesterday afternoon, I looked in the front of my Bible on the morning of a funeral, the last thing I do is I write the name of the person that has passed away in the cover of my Bible. And it's a, it's a very somber thing. It's a very real thing. It really makes it pretty final. I, I think about the verses and I, I look over the sermon that, that, that I'm going to preach at the funeral. I pray for the family. I pray for the opportunity to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing I do is I open the cover and I write the name of the person that I will preach their service. This year, 19 names were added to the cover of my Bible. Some of those folks were young. One of them was very young. Some of them were middle-aged. Some of them were older folks. Some of them, it was an expected thing. There was an illness, and, and they knew that was coming. A lot of them were caught off guard. It was, a, it was an unexpected thing, but I can tell you this. All of them all of them hurt. Life is fast. Life is fleeting. And the New Testament says that, that it's like a vapor. It's, it's here today and it's poof and a wisp away and it's gone tomorrow. Life is hard. Life is fast. Life is fleeting. Verse 12. So... Teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Now, I want you to hear the words of that prayer again in verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Now, let me walk you through that, that prayer of verse 12. It starts off and it says, so... He's just talked about the fact that life is short and life is fast and life is fleeting. So in light of that, because of that, here's the truth of that. Listen, we are to live purposefully. We are to live urgently. Listen, we're not guaranteed another day. Life is very fast. Life is fleeting. It's here like a bird and it lights and it's gone. In response to that, there's a certain way that we are to live. We are to live in response to that truth. So, so teach us. The request that's being made here of God is that he would teach us. The, the Hebrew word here means to make known to us, to lead us or to instruct us. Moses comes along and he prays, God, oh, that you would instruct us in this, that you would teach us in this. And then he says this, so that you would teach us to number our days. Number in Hebrew, in the original language, means to count. But I want, I want you to understand the depth of that. It's more than just assigning a number to. Well, 3,000 days, well, 7,000 days. It's more than just assigning a number to. The Hebrew understanding means to reckon, to weigh out, and really it carries this understanding, to consider our days. 
Lord God, teach us, instruct us to consider our days. Life is fleeting. Life is fast. And so God, would you guide us? Would you teach us to to weigh out our days, to consider our days, to not be flippant with our days? And then it says that we may present to you, talking about God, a heart of wisdom. That we may present to you a heart of wisdom. God You guide us, you teach us to consider our days that we would have and that we would be able to give back to you a heart of wisdom. Now what that means is this. This is talking about a heart that that possesses godly wisdom. God, would you instruct us, these days are going by very quickly God, would you instruct us to to consider our days that we would have hearts that are full of wisdom. It It is to know or to hold a godly perspective. Listen to this about what truly matters. That's what that means. God, give us a heart that has a godly perspective about what truly matters, not what the the world thinks matters, not what my my own flesh thinks that matters. God, will you show me in light of these days what it is that truly matters? So putting it all together, Moses sees that life is fast, that life is fleeting. And so Moses prays, God, will you lead us to live our lives according to what truly matters? Lord God, help us to be considerate with our days, to be deliberate in our days, to be thoughtful in how we live. And I thought about that for just a second. You know what Satan does? And I want you to think about your life. You know know what Satan does? Satan promotes the opposite. Satan comes along and he says, be careless in how you live. Be careless in how you live. Be careless with your time. You've got plenty of time. Be careless with your hours. Satan comes along and he leads us to be mindless with our time, thoughtless in our hours, thoughtless in how we spend the days of our life, not careful with them, but rather flippant in them. God says in Ephesians chapter five, verse 15, be careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise, Satan comes along and he says, say la vie. He comes along and says, easy come, easy go. He says, be mindless, be careless with your life. There's gonna be more tomorrows. There's gonna be more time. Let me tell you this, and I believe this. I believe we are becoming very rapidly the most mindless generation possibly to ever live on the face of the earth. Now, I'm not saying intelligent. I believe we're intelligent. I'm not saying smart. I'm not saying we're not producing things. I believe we are becoming the most mindless generation on the face of this planet. Do you remember when you used to remember phone numbers? 553-570, that's my old one. 553-4530, that's my parents. I don't know Carrie's number. Remember when we could add and subtract without calculators? $2.19, here's three, what's the change? Well, you didn't have a card, so I don't know what it is. (laughs) Remember when people read books? Satan has taken our mind. 
Satan has robbed us of our mind. He's, he's caused us to be, to be careless with our time and careless with our minds. And he's robbed us with the ability to think and all of these things that are pushing in on us. We've become a mindless generation. Listen, God says, consider your days. Consider your hours. Consider your seconds. Satan says, sit here and stare at a screen and be numb as it passes by. We're to be considerate with the days that God has given us. Now listen, it continues and it stacks. Verse 10 says, life is fast, life is fleeting. Verse 12 says, God, teach us to do something. God, teach us to see godly wisdom in how to spend our days. That leads to verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Let the favor of the Lord our God. The word here for favor means goodwill or I like this one, beauty. Let the beauty of the Lord our God, let the goodwill of the Lord our God be upon us. Now I want you to see this. This is a big deal. This is all grounded in God. This is all grounded. Do you notice who he's praying to? Do you notice what his desire is? This is all grounded in the Lord our God. Listen very carefully. A life of value, a life of purpose is grounded in God. A life of value is considerate of God. If you want to be blessed in this life, it will not be in the neglect of God. If you want to be blessed in this life, it'll be in the consideration of God. Listen, that's a, a backwards thing for our world today. Get you some money, get you a job, get you a house, get you a car, get you a spouse, all of these things. The world's telling us that. Listen, you will not be blessed in this life if you're living in neglect of God. If you want to be blessed in this life, you live in consideration of God. A life of value is considerate of God. The verse continues and it says this. And confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, it restates it. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. The word confirm in Hebrew means to establish. One translation says that. It means to make firm and here's the best one, to make count. Confirm the work of our hands. Hear the heart of Moses here. As he travels through this wilderness, as he travels through this hard, these hard days, as they're not home yet, he prays, let, let our work matter. That's what he's saying. Let the, let the fruit of our life matter. Let the, the product of our life matter. What he's saying is this. Let our lives count for something. Oh, God, we've sinned. We've messed up. Oh, Lord, forgive us for that. But today, let our lives matter. Let our lives matter, yes. Life is hard. Yes, it is fast and it's fleeting. Yes, it's soon to end. Oh, but dear God, let it matter. Let it matter to you. Let it matter. Means this. I want to go home. Like Moses, the promised land Looms. I see the lights. 
I hear the singing. It means this, I, I want to go home. It's, it's going to be so awesome to be home. Let me just tell you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to tell you that. It's going to be so, so awesome to be home. I can't even imagine that process. I can't even imagine those days to walk there through a gate that's made out of a single pearl, a gate that was that purchased my entrance by the suffering of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine walking through? Listen, that's a real gate. To walk through that gate and to walk over those names of those 12 apostles who gave their life for the spread of the gospel that I was saved by, to walk through those foundational stones and to step in to a street of gold and to walk there and to see my Savior, Jesus Christ, but this time to see him face to face and for the light that illumines the whole place to come from the Lamb of God for there to be no more sin and no more tears and no more sickness and for perfection to reign and for the glory of Jesus Christ to be known. Listen, it's gonna be awesome when I go home. I'm ready to be home. But I want you to understand and I want you to be just as certain until I do I understand my entrance into that great city came with the suffering of a grace-filled God who gave his only begotten son. And yes, I want to go home, but until I go home, I want to reflect his glory. I want to sing of his glory. I want to preach of his glory. I want to tell lost people of his glory. All glory be to Christ the King until I get home. May the Lord Jesus have the full reward of his suffering. All glory be to Jesus until we get home. And so it is a new year. Let us live lives that truly matter. Today this sermon is very deliberate. I had planned weeks ago and I'd planned coming into this week that once I returned, we'd return to Luke. There's some awesome things coming up in the, in the story, the account of the gospel of Luke. I intended to come back to the, and, and preach in the gospel of Luke and start that process. But today is January 6th. It is the day that my dad passed away three years ago. And about four days ago, I started remembering. And three days ago and two days ago, I was remembering the words that he said coming home one of those months shortly before he passed away, all those many doctor's appointments and, and we're driving home and he's beat all to pieces. He's got, sore, he's got sores all over him and he, had fallen and hit his face and, and, and knocked one of his teeth loose and had sores all over him. He was tired and he had bruises and all the places they'd take blood and put stuff in. We're driving home and he's sitting over there in the car and he said, you know what, I'm not scared to die. I'm not scared to die. He said, in fact, I'm ready, I'm ready to see Jesus. And I, I know he's ready. I knew he was ready to see Jesus. And these words, I've said them before, but they, they stick in my brain. But he looked over and he said this, all beat up, hair gone. He said, but I'm embarrassed to see him and have wasted so much time. I didn't, I didn't have an answer for that. And I, I look over and I want to say, no, it wasn't wasted time. No, look at, 
Look at the fruit of your life and look at the things that came of it. But, but he said, I'm embarrassed to see Christ and have to answer for so much wasted time. Friends, he has met Jesus. And he has realized that Jesus paid it all. And when he went to the cross of Calvary, he redeemed all of the time. And so he's there now and no regrets. And he's there now and no sorrow. He's there in the, in the presence of my Savior Jesus. And all of the time, all of the time was redeemed by his Savior. Let me tell you, the good news of today is this. We have the potential to bring God more glory in the coming days than in any day previous in our life. Do you understand that? that? That ought to burn a hole in our stomach. That ought to change how we think tonight. Listen, I don't care what your age is. I don't care what station in life you find yourself. I don't care where you're at today. Listen, you have as much potential in your coming days to lead to, to glory to Jesus Christ as in any previous day that you've ever lived. Let that be this year. My lands, let that be these days. Let that be these hours. All glory be to Christ. The ladies weekend a few weeks back, Brenna read a poem, and I, I love the poem, and I'm going to read one of the last lines from that poem. It says this. Only one life, yes, only one, now let me say thy will be done. And when at last I hear thy call, I know I will say twas worth it all. Only one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has burned out for thee. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I, I stand here as a sinful person with no good thing to bring to you, redeemed because of your grace and your love and your mercy. And I stand here on, the, in the, on this day, a, a new year has turned. 47 years have passed, and there's many regrets. But I serve a Savior who redeems all of the years, all of the hours, all of the time. Paid for my sin, carried it far away. Who renews, who restores, and who establishes as if we never left. Lord, I'm thankful for the promise of eternal life. I'm thankful for an eternal home. I'm thankful for the promised land. I look forward to it. Lord, I'm thankful that there will be a day when the trumpet of the Lord will sound and the, the, the clouds will roll back as a scroll and Christ Jesus, Lord, you yourself will descend and you will come for your church. Lord, I pray until that day, if, until I either pass away or you come again, Lord, I pray that I will be a useful tool in your hand. 
I pray that I would exist for the glory of the living God. I pray, Lord, that we would, we would be in a church, that we would lead a church that would truly matter for something. And we would be insurance agents that point glory to Jesus Christ. And we would be farmers that point glory to Jesus Christ. We would be school teachers that point glory to Jesus Christ. We would be grandparents and moms and dads. We would be students that point glory to Jesus Christ. Lord, confirm the work of our hands until we see you face to face. Help us in that. Guide us in that. Put an urgency in our heart. Lord, Number, help us to number our days until you come again. And the Lord, I pray that the fruit of that will be many folks would find Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for the past year, the blessings of it. I pray that you empower us and lead us to do tremendous things in the coming year. Most of all, lead people to our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I also pray if there's one here that doesn't know you, I don't want to pass out of this hour, Lord, and not give them an opportunity. Lord, I pray that you stir right now in their heart. This year will be totally in vain, totally empty, fruitless and worthless if they walk through it without you as their Savior. So, Lord, I pray that right now that there's somebody that's here, they're considering and they're thinking, their heart is, is weighing, I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. Lord, move in their heart. And I pray all of this will be and has been for your great glory. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.